Over the summer, we looked at um, parables, those amazing little stories that, that Jesus tells, which are often explosive um, descriptions of, uh, of, of the kingdom of God, the, the revolution that he has come to bring. And last week, we had a, a little bit of think about transitions, about changes, about moving from one thing, one stage, one moment to another. And um, this morning, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to sort of open what I, what I hope will be um, a, a couple of months of sharing and thinking together um, about one of the sort of big issues of our time. Of course, we know that this year has been uh, dominated by the coronavirus and, and the really serious issues which that brings. And, and of course, that is uh, in many ways the, the, the thing that we are all living under. Um, in the background, of course, there is the ongoing uh, pressures of climate change and of the um, ecological emergency which is uh, affecting all of humanity and that's something that we should uh, always be aware of and of course there are many other issues there there's the issue of uh, uh, refugees and migration and 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 poverty and so on there are there are many many issues in our in our world but but one of the ones which has rightly come rushing up the agenda over uh, past months is the, the whole issue which has become crystallized under the Black Lives Matter campaign. Um, and I wanted to try uh, to spend um, a, a couple of months, September and October, um, thinking together as a church family, how do we respond? How do we um, intelligently um, come before God as his people and say, Lord, what do we do in the light of the issues that have been presented to us. And um, I, I'm, as I say, I'm hoping over the next few weeks, we can, we can have a conversation together about how we might respond. So if the services feel just a little bit different over the next few weeks, it will be because we're just trying to do something slightly different. Normally, um, we take a passage of scripture and we, uh, we, we pray and we prepare and we ask God, you know, what are you saying through this passage of scripture to us? And of course, that is a good and, and godly and, 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 and powerful way of, uh, of seeking the, the spirit of God in eyes. But over the next couple of months, I just want to try, as it were, to do something very slightly different, to take the scripture and to, to read it and to, to acknowledge that that is where we will find God's voice. And then to try to put life next to it and, and to hold these two things together and to say, how can one inform the other? How can they actually cross over into each other so that we can begin to be the agents of change that we, uh, we know is necessary whenever this issue, this subject uh, comes back to the, to, the service, to the surface. And I wanted to start by saying, Throughout the scriptures, there are, of course, deep and wonderful truths which we as God's people know and want to embrace. There are these, these deep and profound truths, of course, uh, which, which, we, which we read in scripture and which we know are true in our hearts. So the basic equality of all people, the basic fact that we are all made in the image of God. We are equally precious, equally loved equally beautiful, equally bearing his stamp, his image, uh, his icon, as it were. We are created, all of us, in the image of God. 
and the Old Testament, or, or what we have been encouraged to call the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the Hebrew Bible explains the, the deep and phenomenal story between uh, God and his people, Israel. And of course, that is in many ways an exclusive relationship, God and Israel, but it is also a relationship which has a wider dimension, that the choosing of Israel from Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 onwards is so that the, the covenant promises of God, the blessing of God, will ultimately go out to the whole of humanity. And as we read a psalm this morning, as Dareth read for us, we're reminded that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, uh, that, that everyone belongs to God. And this is part and parcel of the message of the Hebrew Bible, even though there is this deep and exclusive love story between the people of Israel and, uh, and the Lord God. And of course, in Jesus, we begin to see the opening up of that promise. We begin to see the way in which the Gentiles, the non-Jews, will be welcome. You remember when uh, Joseph and Mary take the, the, the Christ child into the temple, Simeon takes the child into his hands and he says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, a light to lighten the Gentiles, a light that will go out to the whole world. And in the ministry of Jesus, you see that. You see the way in which he is always including people. Those who have been pushed to the edges, those who have been excluded, are included. Whether they're, they're rich and successful, whether they're the tax collectors, or whether they're the, the, those at the bottom of the heap, uh, the lepers and the prostitutes. He is always including people. That's what his ministry is about, saying the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It is a ministry of inclusion as he calls people to follow him. And then, of course, the big moment of change, the bit where the, the dam bursts and the promises, as it were, rush out to the whole world, is, of course, the day of Pentecost. As, as those promises come and they are fulfilled over the disciples who begin to speak in, in every language under heaven. And, uh, and the message goes out. And you can see through the remainder of the New Testament, this this amazing kind of process that's going on, this, 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 this uh, almost headache going on for the early Christians who were Jews to say that now the covenant belongs to all of us, even those who hadn't kept the law, even those who didn't have circumcision, even those who didn't uh, worship at the temple, they were all welcome because of the ministry of Jesus. So you get Paul giving these absolutely explosive words in the letter to the Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you can just imagine, if Paul were writing in the 21st century, how many other pairs, how many other couplets would he put in there? There are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. There are no, neither black nor white. Maybe not. There are no. There are no straight or, or gay. There are no. These, these divisions are meaningless in Christ because we are now one new people in Him. And 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 the explosive power of these words and an explosive power of the New Testament Church is that all are welcome, 
and all can come to God through Christ, that all can experience the outpouring of the Spirit, blessing and enabling them to become the people of God. So much so that when you get the final vision, the vision that, that Alison has read for us this morning, when, when all is put right, when the new heavens and the new earth come, there, will, there we will be from every nation and tribe and language and people. We know that we will be the rainbow people of God there under his rule, under his protection, under his recreation. That is where we are going. So right the way through the scriptures, we get this deep and powerful and wonderful message that we are all created by God. We are all loved by God. We are all redeemed by Christ. We are all touched by the spirit and we will all belong to him. That in the new heavens and the new earth, we will all be there having touched him and known him and, and placed our faith in him, regardless of our background. It's there through scripture and we can feel it in our hearts. We know it's true. It rings true in our, in our own experience. We know that this must be a reflection of the indiscriminate love of God. He shows no favoritism. Romans chapter 2 verse 11. God has no favoritism. We are all equally loved. But, and this is the issue, isn't it? But if that is true, we know that it doesn't work out like that here and now. That in our society, and too often in our churches, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel that we are all equal. It feels that there are problems. It feels like there is something wrong, that somehow we are not all on the same level. So the truths of scripture and our lived experience are somehow out of kilter. And that is the conversation, that is the process that we need to try in some tiny small way St. Christopher Springfield to go through and to ask what do we do to bring those two things together. I'd like if I may to try to show you uh, a video uh, which I um, uh, saw recently which I think is helpful. It, it lasts about um, four minutes uh, and I hope um, uh, will just be helpful. So I'm going to try and show it uh, and then I will I'll, I'll come back and, and say a few more words. So, um, sorry, you haven't, um, you're not free of me yet. Um, but um, I'm just going to try um, to, to show you this video, which I hope, um, as I say, will, will be helpful. Okay, I'm going to play this. If, um, if for any reason you can't hear it, could you... Um, could you all wave at me and I'll, I'll try and um, make it work. So let's see. So you don't like racism, but you live in the UK and feel powerless to do anything. My name is Obi I'm an actor and a writer. Over the past few weeks, I've had several conversations with friends of mine horrified at the events unfolding in the United States and unsure how to show their solidarity. 
this is a brief video offering a few suggestions. Firstly, let's acknowledge that global anti-blackness is a real thing. It manifests differently in different countries, but it has been an economic driving force for centuries. This is a fact, not an attack. Secondly, the UK has a history of atrocious crimes, from near or actual genocide to the pillaging of nations' natural resources. We can only move past this fact if we address it. We haven't, don't, and must. The question then is why? To kill a mockingbird and roll a thunder here, that they are the few books used to discuss racism in a UK classroom begins the lifelong myth that racism is a US problem. You can study history from the age of 7 to 21 in a UK classroom and never have to go into any depth about the UK's role in colonizing and depriving nations of their freedoms, rights and resources. It is a glaring hole not only in our children's education, but by proxy, ours. As an adult, how can we begin to plug these gaps in our collective educational knowledge? The following book suggestions may offer a starting point, honestly telling Britain's past, present, and where we might go from here. First up is the Sunday Times bestseller, British, on race, identity, and belonging by F. Hirsch. Next is the award-winning Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge. Following that is hip-hop artist and writer Akala's Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. And finally is science writer and broadcaster Dr. Adam Rutherford's How to Argue with a Racist. And now for some frequently asked questions. Is Black Lives Matter only about the police? No, unfortunately not. So, whilst taser usage on black Londoners is four times that of their white counterparts, it extends further than just the justice system. Black Caribbean children, for instance, are three and a half times more likely to be excluded at primary, secondary and special schools than all other peoples, whilst Premier League football players are to this day still suffering racist monkey chants that many had thought left back in the 1980s. Does this apply to me? I'm not racist. I don't see colour, I just see the person. We need you to see colour. If you can't or won't, how can you be an effective ally? How can you hear if somebody is making racist comments or see if your colleague is giving your black co-worker a hard time? In the words of Angela Davis, it is not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. And so, for anybody who wants to be an ally to the cause, I would offer these four suggestions. Firstly, educate yourself and others. That could be a book, a film, or a podcast. It could be your friend, lover, colleague, or children. Secondly, listen to, commission, and pay your black artists, writers, and speakers. Statements like, you will be paid in exposure, will no longer wash and are not true allyship. Thirdly, speak up. Be that using your platform on social media, calling out your colleagues' missteps, or writing to your MP when you witness an injustice. You have more power than you know. It is very easy for brands, newspapers, and TV companies to tweet a hashtag. But your money speaks, so demand more. And lastly, accept that you will get it wrong sometimes. None of us are born knowing all of the answers. The writer Ijeoma Oluwa says the beauty of anti-racism is that you don't have to pretend to be free from racism to be anti-racist. Anti-racism is the commitment to fight racism wherever you find it even if that's in yourself. So, I would offer, be brave in your humility. As the saying goes, this is not a moment, it's a movement. 
and the struggle continues tomorrow. It's a bit a happy ending. That is wonderful, Tom. I hope that I hope that's a, a useful video to try um, to raise some of the issues and and as I say to to place what I hope is a is an accurate reflection of life next to these wonderful truths that we see in scripture and to say that that one one is beautiful and one is far from beautiful and and if I may I, I, I just want to try to um, I know, I know I'm sharing a lot here, but I just want to also say that if, if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's just one, one bloke and, and one sort of video, and how do I know that's true? If, if I can encourage you, if, if, you're, if you have any free time, um, this website, the gov.uk, it's a, it's a government website, um, and um, it's a whole collection of, of facts and figures about ethnicity in our, in our country. And it's fascinating. It's, it's the kind of thing you can spend hours on if you want to. Um, but do, if, if you're into that kind of thing, do go and have a look. Um, what it will show you is that under all these categories, um, uh, particularly black people are, 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 are coming up short, um, are, being, um, uh, are finding themselves at the wrong end. There's just one graphic I'd, I'd like to show you, if I, if I may. This is one that, that I found. This is... Um, arrest rate per 1,000 people by ethnicity. And um, it's, it's really, really quite shocking. Um, and um, I, th I think it helped me to see uh, that uh, uh, behind these facts and figures are a whole set of, of realities that we, that we really do need uh, to, to be aware of. And then just, just finally, if I may, um, just to say that you know, we might be thinking, well, this is society, well, we can't change society, but what about the church? Well, just to, just to, um, just to, to, to bring to your attention that um, this is a, an article from, from June, so a little bit old, but, but not very old, and, and basically saying that when Archbishop John Sentamu stepped down from uh, being Archbishop of York, um, in the Church of England, there are no diocesan bishops, no sort of Darson bishops are the, are the, the people with the full authority of the church. And there are no Darson bishops who are uh, from a, a black or Asian or minority ethnic ethnicity. There are assistant or suffragan bishops from, from those ethnicities, but, but I think there's a maximum of five out of a hundred or so. And um, unfortunately, it's not just in the bishops. Uh, there, are, there are plenty of other oper uh, occasions of senior um, uh, senior people in the church uh, who are who are basically all white. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, that's what I hope we are going to have a conversation about over the coming weeks. That today is is about introducing the subject. Today is about saying we know in our hearts and we can see in Scripture this beautiful, beautiful equality and communion. This beautiful fact that diversity is at the heart of God and that he loves it and that he has created us this way, he has redeemed us this way, he has given us the spirit this way and he expects us to be like that in the future, in the glory that will come.
So how do we live it out here and now? How do we make the church a place where the rest of society can say, wow, look at them. They have got it right. They rejoice as the rainbow people of God. I'm not going to try and answer that question now. I hope that over the coming weeks we will begin to see it and that we will begin to find ways that God changes us so that we, in some tiny way, can respond to the issues raised by Black Lives Matter. Amen. Amen. It would seem strange to say this is going to be a conversation and not give people a chance to respond, but I hope, I hope, unless anyone has something burning in their hearts at the moment, that we might do that from next week onwards. Is there anything anyone particularly wants to say now? Dareth, Dareth, are you going to speak? Yeah, I want to say that St. Christopher shouldn't underplay Black Lives Matters because St. Christopher's lives matter, the congregation of the church matter. Don't forget, we have the women's breakfast. It's white, it's black, it's Asian, um, it's everything. We meet, we sing, mm -hmm. we pray for each other, regardless of the situation. Throughout the pandemic, um, you know, um, since March, and um, we, you know, we had speakers from all walks of life in the women's breakfast, and we sit and we pray for, you know, the, the, um, the community. And also, we have to remember the feast. Look how that started out of as a group of young children in Springfield, in Smallleaf, whose smeeth have built up over the years and, and has gone all over the world with it, you know, and that didn't, no child was excluded, whatever race, colour or what have you. We've done it. So I don't feel that St. Christopher should think, you know, we haven't done anything. What we have in small little pockets and we continue to pray and support each other in every possible way. I'll be lost without St. Christopher's. And that's all I've got to say. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Darius. Cool. Wonderful. Thank you. Any, anybody else want to, um, anybody else want to, to chip in? Nope. Okay. I hope, I hope this will be the beginning of a conversation because I, I think, I, I think there's, a, there's a long way to go. Um, uh, but, but it feels like an important um, uh, a conversation that we shouldn't duck. Um, and, and a conversation that, under God, we, we may have something to say um, to, um, uh, to, to our nation. Um, and, and, and that feels a really important thing. Okay, brilliant. Thank you.